Welcome to the Workforce Connections Podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, a friend and a colleague of mine. Welcome, Jorge Cervantes, Las Vegas City Manager. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so good to be here. I know we've been pla- planning it for a while. You're also my fellow trustee uh, at the LVGA, and, uh, you know, we, we, we've been working together on multiple things, but let's start first. For those uh, uh, that don't know you, tell us about your background, uh, you know, even before the city of Las Vegas. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Go to high school, college, and how did you get to Southern Nevada? Okay, yeah. So, I, you know, I was born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Uh, that's where I went to school. Uh, went to university there, University of Texas at El Paso. Got my degree in civil engineering and so started working with the city of El Paso as a traffic engineer. And did that for about 11 years. And what I noticed as I progressed within my career, a lot of my duties and responsibilities changed, right? So, you know, when you start off as a junior engineer, you're doing a lot of design work, a lot of calculations, number crunch, and things like that. But as you move up, your role kind of changes more to managing people, managing resources. So I went back to school and got my master's in business administration to get more of the people knowledge, right? Because the curriculum in engineering, while they teach you a lot of technical skills, they don't really teach you the people skills. And so I felt that was important moving up in my career. So I, I got my master's there. Um, about 11 years into my career, I get a call from a friend. We used to work together there in El Paso. And he had moved up here about six months before. saying, hey, there's great opportunities for engineers up here in, in Las Vegas. Wow. You know, the city's growing really quick. There's a lot of construction work going on, a lot of need for it. And by the way, there's a job opening in the city. And so I looked into it, and it was a great opportunity for me and my family. And so we came up here, and I started working for the city as a traffic engineer initially, and, and that was back in 1998, so I've been here since then. How many years in the city? So this will be my 25th year in September, will be my 25th year in the city, uh, working uh, through different uh, jobs there within the city. And for those who don't read the papers, you uh, you shared recently, you announced uh, your retirement coming up after a long years of service, uh, we'll be uh, losing you, uh, hopefully not altogether physically, because hopefully you'll still be here, but for sure uh, a well-deserved um Retirement is in your uh, future horizon. Yeah, looking forward to you know as I mentioned to to our mayor and council as you know I got a couple of grandkids uh, one on the, on the way they'll be due in September and looking forward to spending some time with them so I'm hoping to do that once I retire. Two things when you were saying El Paso you know I know two things every time I go to El Paso the first place I go to is Chico's Tacos <laughs> <laughs> with lots of sauce on top That's right. and the cheese and then um, another thing is you know I went there to a game one time and they do a thing. Something like that, or is it Pickham? I can't remember, but it's the uh, it's the because they're the the miners, the yeah. miners, miners something yeah. about Pickham they right. say, right? So yeah, the Utah Miner, the the mascot is a miner because it started off as a metallurgical university because of all the ores that are there, and so it's a miner with a pick, right? And so the picks what they used to to bring out the ores with. So yeah, that's their that's their symbol. That's cool. Yeah, I I know they also have a a baseball team it's a minor league baseball team right yeah the El Paso Chihuahuas the Chihuahuas yeah, yeah. it used to be when I was there they were the Diablos and then they turned over to the Chihuahuas yeah I got to see those two games which was kind of cool that, that's a pretty uh, cool community because it's so close to the border you can really see the duality of that mm-hmm. community right so Jorge as a city manager uh, tell us uh, our listeners what are the primary res- responsibilities you started to uh, allude to some of it I mean there's so much that happens in the city, and of course, you rely on your different directors. But give us a sense of the scope of what you have to be responsible for as a manager for a city the size of Las Vegas. 
Yeah, so, you know, city manager, the primary, the primary roles are you implement whatever our council's priorities are. They're our board. Uh, they're the ones that are elected by our citizens to represent them. So, you know, we go through strategic planning with them and find out what those priorities are that they'd like to see us implemented. And it helps us particularly as we're doing our planning for resources, how we're going to invest the tax dollars that, that the community uh, provides for us to be able to buy service. So, so it's about implementing uh, their, their priorities, but it's also about identifying what the community needs are, right, and, and how do we best service those needs. And then finally, it's running the day-to-day operation of the city. We're an organization with 20 departments that has about 3,000 employees and a, a budget of about $1.5 billion. So, you know, the, the taxpayers uh, entrust us with that to provide the most efficient way to, to use that money to provide the best service we can. And again, I know it's, uh, for you all, it's every day part of your thread, but people, we all take for granted parks. Mm-hmm. And so you have a, a parks and recreation department that has to make sure the parks are not just well-maintained, but safe, That's right. lit, uh, patrolled. So you have, uh, again, public safety, uh, you have fire, you have all these departments that we don't uh, really value until we need them. That's right. Something happens. That's right. And you guys have to, and, and then again, I remember also talking to you during COVID, you were challenged unlike any other time in this century. And so... How was it, uh, if you will, during those times? I'm sure you learned a lot, but are you glad COVID is behind us? Because I'm sure that was a difficult time in the city. Yeah, you know, it was a difficult time for our entire community. And when COVID hit, we saw our role as the public agencies to help the community go through this, right, uh, through different services. What we found, interestingly enough, you talk about parks, is that, you know, when everything shut down because we had to try to prevent the spread of the disease, um, folks were at home and folks were feeling constrained. They wanted to get out. They were they felt caged in and we saw the uses of our parks just skyrocket it's the only place where people go and have separation and this thing walk around and, and entertain all the movie theaters restaurants everything was shut down but it gave them an outlet of where to go so we shifted resources same, same with uh, our organization uh, we had to shut down certain facilities so we grabbed those folks that were working there and we called them ambassadors and have them out there cleaning the parks and, and providing that service so that parks could always be available for the community to use during that difficult time so we um find it really uh, easy to work with the city, Jorge, because of you and your and your team. And of course, the council, we share, you know, uh, the Las Vegas City Council always sends a member to the Workforce Connections Local Elected Officials Consortium. Right now is Councilwoman Olivia Diaz. And, you know, we work with you and your team on making sure that we partner with you on things like the historic West Side, you know, uh, mm-hmm. location that you have city services at. I know you're planning now for an East Side Center that will kind of replicate that. Uh, so, you know, again, your team, and now we're talking about the Civic Plaza, which would be wonderful for the city, kind of centralizing a lot of your departments into one beautiful campus that will have, uh, well, tell, tell us a little bit about it without, you know, I know it's not, uh, it's still a year and a half in the making, but it really is going to be an important asset for the city, isn't it? It, it is. So, you know, we moved into our current city hall about 10 years ago. Uh, the old city hall, we were approached by uh, back then Sappos. Uh, that wanted to come in and build a corporate headquarters in downtown Las Vegas. Great for economic development. So we moved out of the building and we built a new city hall. It was part of a redevelopment effort to try to create more office space downtown. And so we did. Um, the other thing we we did is we built a, a, court, a new courthouse across the street from municipal courthouse because um, we were sharing space with the county at the regional justice center. But as the community grew, the need for more courtrooms and judges grew. And, and so it got to the point where the regional Justice Center wasn't big enough to house both the municipal function and the district court. So the county was anxious to to buy us out to be able to do that. So we built a courthouse across the street. But, you know, during that time, we also did a 
a study of our downtown and, and try to redevelop downtown. One of the things that we heard as we went out for community outreach and what is missing downtown? What do we need to make it a thriving downtown? And what we heard over and over again was that if you want to bring more people to live downtown, you need to provide open space, green space, because people like to recreate. And so that's what you're lacking there. And so we said, okay, how can we start creating open space downtown? We can build a bunch of little pocket parks or we could try to build a large park, but then you got to do a large land assemblage, which was very expensive. And so what we found was, look, we need more room for office space anyway, because our some of our departments were spread out in different buildings. We we're having to lease space. Why don't we build an additional building across the street and build a plaza there, a park place where you could have community events, whether it's, you know, like Henderson does for the Golden Knights that they play the games out there, or if you want to have yoga in the evening or, or you want to have a food truck weekend, things like that. So we're building a, a plaza there that's surrounded by two buildings. One building, we're going to move our folks in there, our human resource department, our information technology department, and some others that are off-site, we're going to bring them in here. But we also had plans for a second building that we're going to build. And originally, we have enough money to build the plaza area and, and the first building, and we're going to build a second building in the future. But our council decided to go ahead and give us permission to, to bond against some revenue to build that second building and get all done at once. And so that's where it opened up this great opportunity for our partnership, right, saying, look, we can go ahead and build, build out the whole facility now, build a second building, and provide some key partners to be across the street from us and, and work with us there. And so that's where we're moving forward. But it's just an opportunity to bring all the services in one location. So when our community needs are out there and someone has to come in, they don't have to drive from one building to another. It's all centrally located for them to be able to do service with the city. Yeah, it's a beautiful concept. Uh, the buildings are beautiful. Like you said, the plaza, I can picture, because uh, now we've done it once, but I can picture when we win the Stanley Cup again, mm -hmm. we can have a big that's rally right. there, you know, and uh It'll be awesome. And again, like like you said, I think the the fact that you can have not just cultural and community events, but it will be a vibrant spot for the city employees to be centralized. I know you have plans to close, uh, is it Clark? The Clark, one? Clark. Avenue. And, and you envision food trucks there for the employees. And uh, you have retail and uh, food and beverage in the buildings. Uh, and so it's going to be really an amazing. I, I I congratulate you and your team for the, for the vision. I know it's still... Uh, you know, a year and a half, two years away, but can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah, and we started construction. We actually broke ground about two months ago. So if you drive by there, they, they're finishing up digging out the uh, dirt for the foundation and they'll start pouring slabs probably in the next month or two. So yeah, we're looking forward to it. You know, not just the facility for our employees, but for the community. Yeah. You know, we intent, always intend to be for the community to come out there and, and have a good time and enjoy that open space. So that's the intent. And one last piece of it, I know maybe it's not finalized, but we do know that the loop in Las Vegas is going to one day connect every point of interest from the airport to the stadiums to the arenas. But isn't Civic Plaza also and uh, that downtown city of Las Vegas property going to be part of the loop where that will stop there and have an access point? It, it will be. So in, in working with the uh, the boring company, um, if you look at the way they're plan is is they're going to have stops throughout the major casino areas and major points of interest but the way it works is they build the main line say if you will the trunk line uh, and then wherever you come up to service it that property pays for that right so if you're a casino and you want to get access the casino's paying for that pipe that comes up and feeds vehicles to the property we've got certain areas in the downtown where there's really no one property is being served but it's really more of a community asset so we're commuting, calling those community stations. So we're building about five of those downtown, one in the Arts District, one closer to Fremont, one by City Hall, one over in Symphony Park where the Smith Center is, so that it doesn't just service one property, but service that whole entire area there. And, and those were doing it through 
part of the franchise fees they're paying us, we give them credit for that franchise fee in lieu of having to uh, pay cash up front. But it provides a, a place for people to be able to get access to, to general areas. That's fantastic. Uh, again, uh, a lot to look forward to in Las Vegas. And for many years, you were there 26 years. You still have, uh, you know, some days left. But uh, having to face one of the most, uh, the hardest challenges, the pandemic, you were leading the city. We just talked about this amazing project that you have, you know, um, put to in its path. Now it'll be completed after you're gone. But uh, what other significant achievements in your time at the city are you most proud of? You know, Jaime, as I came up through the organization, I've had several positions, one public works director for many years. And as a public works director, you get an opportunity to build a lot of things, right? A lot of things to service our community, build fire stations to make sure our neighborhoods are safe, build a lot of community centers with pool for the kids to go swimming, build a lot of parks with people to recreate. But, you know, I think the one thing that I think we're the most successful at that, that we're proud of as an organization was that we've been working with the arts district for 20 years trying to revive that and try different things. Um, but about five years ago, we started investing in a lot of the infrastructure out there, you know, widening sidewalk, putting trees, making it more mm -hmm. pedestrian friendly. And we started working on the regulatory side. How do we make it easier for a business to open up? So how do we reduce business license fee? How do we move some of the, the regulations that don't permit this to be as easy for an, an entrepreneur to open up a business? And we found that to be very successful in the last five years. And so I would say a week doesn't go by that we don't have a new restaurant, a new brewery, a new little art shop that opens up. It's been so successful to see that area turn around and be so thriving because, you know, you've got the resort corridor and you've got the free Street experience that kind of caters to the tourists, right? But we need an area for, for our community, for our local folks to, to go and hang out. And that's what the Arctic's become. We get, I, I'm out there on the weekends and I see folks from Henderson that are out there with their families recreating, having a good time, enjoying yeah. the different facilities out there from all over the community. And so it's something that's really for us locals to really enjoy. Yeah, I, I really do believe you guys were successful after so many attempts of making that area beautiful, walkable, but also attracting, uh, you know, all sorts of business, including uh, great quality food. Uh, the food establishments in that area are just, seems like you can go to a, a different restaurant every day and not run out of choices. So great job down yeah. there. Like I said, a different one uh, opens up, you know, Esther's Kitchen has been very successful. It's moving to a bigger space. Yes. Uh, we just had over the last month and a half a one of Wolfgang Puck's partner opened up a new restaurant down there, 1228 Main, and great food, great. We're starting to see those. We're starting to see those known chefs come in, and, you know, Todd English opened up his place there on yes. Main We're starting to see those great chefs come into, into the Arts District. And even, uh, again, things that uh, uh, Lisa Morris-Hibler from your team also retiring soon. We just heard her announcement. Last time she I had a meeting with her, she took me to this place called Taverna, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had never been there. It's like every time I turn around, there's a Something new place new. that goes. The other day with Tammy Malik, and I'm a member of your team, friend of ours, um, we went to the uh, something, a farmer's market that is right there in the beginning as that first street curves. I think it's called um, Foraging, Foraging Farmer's Market or something. But, again, there's gems everywhere. Yeah. Wherever you turn, the the uh, there's something new happening downtown. And so great job there. Jorge, I know that we don't get to do this in life but it's fun to think about if we could go back in time, what would we like to do different, right? Because a lot of times there were circumstances that we don't control, or maybe we did do something that, that you know, after gaining experience, say, wow, I would have done that differently. In your career in Las Vegas, do you wish that, uh, or is there something, if time, if we could rewind time, that you would want to see it happen differently? You know, I, I think what, what I found is um, about 10 years ago, we started working on our, 
land entitlement process, right? And, and that's where developers come in to get their permits or get the land title or a homeowner comes in to get a permit to do a carport addition, whatever it is. And we used to have some regulations that were very challenging, right? And so we reworked the whole thing to try to make it easier for those for those type of business to come in. And so between that and working on business licensing uh, regulations to make it easier for business to thrive, it's really helped a lot. And, you know, if, it, if I could do anything, I would have done that many years earlier because we saw the benefit that it brought to our community and, and how it made it easier for those folks that wanted to invest and open their own business, they would be easier. We, we came up with a deferment for a sewer connection fee. So a lot of time, a business, a sewer connection fee is quite expensive. They don't realize that going in. And so we found a way to defer that till we spread over time so as they get cash flow, they can, they can handle that. And so just some of the regulations that were hindering our ability to really grow faster, uh, we got that out of the way, and I, we should, probably should have done that many years ago. That's great. And Jorge, I know, uh, again, we we feel grateful to, to be your partner with the city. One of the things, of the many things we've worked on together lately is with the American Recovery Plan, uh, you uh, – you awarded us monies to help small businesses because mm-hmm. the, com- the pandemic was hard on everybody, That's corporations, right. small businesses, families. And so we are uh, using that money right now. We can't wait, of course, to uh, give you the reports and tell you the success stories. But uh, a lot of small businesses are finding that help, uh, the shot in the arm that they needed to mm-hmm. staff up, to, uh, you know, recoup, if you will, from those down years and grow again. So thanks for trusting us to being your partner there with the American Recovery Plan dollars. No, thank you for you do to help Sal. You know, we, we realized many years ago is that the reality is small business are the heart of our economy, right? A lot of people think that the big industries are, well, no, it's really the small business that drive the majority of our economy. And so, you know, to, to the extent that they're successful, we're all successful. So it was, it was our pleasure to try to help with that out. Yep. So, Jorge, another thing that we do together is we're, we serve on the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, mm-hmm. uh, Tina and her team over there. And as you know, for years, again, we've been uh, – the whole state has been trying to diversify our economy. We've been forever known, and it'll always be our bread and butter, the hospitality. Mm-hmm. But we also are uh, evolving. We are now not just the entertainment capital of the world, but we're trying to be the sports and entertainment right. capital of the world. And as our economy evolves – there's target sectors here in Southern Nevada that were established by the LVGEA, seven of them. And we, uh, along with the cities, the chambers, the, the Clark County School District, with um, the college, we were able to establish, convene those employers and establish seven separate industry sector partners, for uh, one for each one of those sectors. And so what do you, why do you think it's important to make sure that the our workforce development efforts and our investments are aligned to the economic development efforts that we are a region are paying for. You know, the reality, we, we've been trying to diversify our economy since when I got here, you've been hearing about that. And you're right, we with a strong reliance on, on the leash entertainment industry because it's employs a majority of our, our employment here. But you know, what's interesting claim is that when we go through difficult times, economic recessions, things like that, we really realize them the most the importance of the diversification, right? Uh, because if, if there's not a lot of disposable income, people aren't here staying in the hotels and consuming. And so our revenue comes off of that really goes down. And so we focus a lot on diversification at that point. But then as soon as we get out of that recession, things are well, we seem to forget, right? And we say, oh, everything's like, wait, look at this money coming in. And we focus again on, on that. But I think over the last probably five years, there's been a, a concerted effort saying, look, we need to be more resilient that when we do have these downturns, 
we aren't relying on one single industry. And so, as you say, those seven sectors were identified. And, and so it's important that as we chase these sectors, and these sectors were very strategic when they were identified, right? The, the reality is we have some constraints. We mm -hmm. got some land constraints. There's only so much water land before we run out. Yep. And we got the water constraints. So we're yep. searching for those industries that could fit within those constraints that don't require a large mass of land, mm -hmm. that don't aren't big energy consumptions, that that pay higher paying wages. Mm -hmm. And so our focus are on those. But to, to bring those, you also got to have the right workforce to do it. Because we hear it from employers all the time. As we're trying to bring companies in, we're trying to court them in, well, we need folks at this skill set to be able to do that. Where is advanced manufacturing? Whatever it is, we need folks that have the training to be able to do that or else we can't move to your community. So that's why it's so critical that the work that you all do, that we have that, that workforce that will try, continue to drive those industries coming into our community. Yeah, and Jorge, uh, rest assured as you uh, enjoy your, your well-earned retirement, we'll continue to do these things. As you know, we are trying to, now that we've learned what the um, – heard from the employers what they want, what they need in their workforce. We're trying to embed that not just into, uh, you know, the organizations of our other colleagues at the LVGA, like Dr. Whitfield at UNLV or Dr. Pollard at Nevada State University or Dr. Saragosa at College of Southern Nevada, but, um, and of course, Shelly at Tor and Lori at, at uh, University of Phoenix, all of the higher uh, learning institutions. But I think just as importantly, the earliest piece of the pipeline, the K through 12 system, mm -hmm. we got to start, I think, uh, exposing young people to all these career opportunities at an earlier age. They used to say it had to be in high school. Then studies said if you don't get them by middle school, they're, you know. Yeah. But now it's showing with the way that, that young people communicate and learn things through uh, social media and online, you got to start these conversations in elementary school about careers and opportunities. So rest assured we'll continue to push that um, so we can make you proud. Yeah, no, I think we have to say you're right. We have started very early age because the reality kids now, they're growing up with technology, right? You got three, four years old that can program a phone better than we can as adults. Right. Right? They, they, they grow up with his hands. So, yeah, you got to start them early. And it's funny because that's the age when those little minds are sponges, right? They absorb everything. And so, uh, to that extent, we got to start them as soon as we can, getting prepared for, for the future. Talking about little minds, uh, Jorge, again, you recently announced um, after uh, 36 years in the public sector, 26 of them here in the city of Las Vegas. Uh, I will earn retirement, and you share with me, of course, the your grand your young grandchildren are a big part of that reason. You want to enjoy them, rightfully so. Give us a glimpse of what else you're looking forward to besides more time with the grandchildren. You know, to travel. My wife and I love to travel, and the reality is we don't take that many vacations because time constraints. And so, you know, got a bucket list of a lot of places we'd like to visit and start uh, ticking them off and travel a lot. Travel, go back, see family, travel, go explore. We love exploring and, and seeing new communities. So that's the big thing we're going to be working on. Is international travel in that list? It, it is. So interesting enough, you know, when my wife turned uh, 55, I promised her I was going to take her to Spain. And then something happened the year we weren't able to. And so she'll be 60 this year. So I got to I gotta fulfill what I wasn't able to do back then and take her to Spain. So yeah, international travel is on the list, but we just want get to get to know the world. Very nice. Spain, she's going to love it. If you have a chance and South America's on your list, make sure you go to Peru and Machu Picchu. Okay. And then come see me so I can give you some travel tips. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> so, uh, Jorge, again, you and I are hopefully an example for, you know, young uh, kids of color who grow up in small cities like El Paso or mm -hmm. Lima, Peru, but yet can come to a city like Las Vegas and be successful and contribute, right? Because I know you look at your career First and foremost, as a contribution, you've really left your mark in the city. Uh, it's been a successful career, full of achievements. What advice would you give that young uh, person, that young boy or girl of any color, really, of any city, 
if they wanted to say, I would love to be a city manager one day, what advice would you give them? You know, so I would say whether it's a city manager or whatever career path they want to follow, go into something you're passionate about. Because if you're passionate about it, you're going to really do your best. But more importantly, you're going to enjoy it, right? A lot of times we'll take a job because of the pay. Oh, this is paying better than that. I'm going to take that job. But you really are miserable. It's not something you really enjoy. And so you get there not wanting to be there. You leave, go home frustrated. It's not worth it. Do, do something you're passionate about. And if you will, success comes on its own. If you're just passionate about what you do, you're going to do fine. Success will come on its own. So follow, follow your dreams. Great advice. So, Jorge, as we near the uh, the end of the podcast, I've gotten to ask you, obviously, all the questions I wanted to. Well, not all of them. We could I could talk to you for a long time. I get, again, the I've had the, the privilege to, to know you, uh, you know, here working together. And I'm uh, going to miss you a lot, uh, again, on this daily thing. But as you said, hope that... Uh, that still after your your tra- you catch up on your travels and your gun show that we still get to see you in some capacity. But I'd like to give you the opportunity, the open mic, to uh, hear any final thoughts that you have that perhaps we haven't asked you about, but you would love to share with us and the listeners. You know, what I'd like to do is to thank you and, and your team for what you do. A lot of people don't realize the amount of benefit and value that the not-for-profits bring to our community. And we learned it real quick during COVID, right? Because as our community was struggling, it was the not-for-profits that really stepped up and took care of our community. And so my last thought is thank you, Jaime, for what you do and your team because it's folks like you and, and the work that your team does and it's not for pause that really make us a successful community. So thank you for that. Well, thank you, Jorge. Thank you for all your years of service in the city, for being a good friend and partner, and uh, wish you the best uh, in this world. Well-earned retirement. Thank you, Jaime. All right. Well, that's it for another episode of WC Podcast. We hope to see you in a future one. Until then, stay safe.